St. Paul said, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. But that never usurps, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I am Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Dave, the almost strongest man in Pittsburgh, Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> I'm doing good. I don't know if I'm almost. I don't Dude, know. you got goals, man. Your goals are impressive. Right here behind me, I'm in my garage right now. I have a gymnastics bar for my girls. I was wondering me. what that was. Yeah, I, was wondering. A, I was at, I was at my, uh, my kids have been going to gymnastics for like three years. And so I was watching them do it, and they, th- my daughter's got the form, but she doesn't have the muscle. So I texted my wife and said, honey, get one of those bars, those adjustable height bars that they can just do the workouts on. I don't need them to have the high bar and all that stuff. <laughs> I said, just get them one of those. And I sent her a link to Amazon of ones that I was looking at uh, for about $115. And so I sent it to her. And she, so then she texted me, okay, great, got it, ordered it. And I was like, oh, awesome. Which one did you get? And then she sent me the link, and it was for $350. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God. And she goes, don't worry. It comes with a mat. It comes with a mat. <laughs> the mat fits it. It's a really nice mat. And she I thought actually it was so saved funny. you money. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, they said if you spend $100, you get to save five. And I was like, deal. Uh, no, but uh, it, w- it was really funny. She goes, you okayed it. And I go, I didn't look at the price. You, uh, <laughs> you know what you are? But, you know what you are? What? You're one of those stage what? dads. You're like pushing your kid to like higher levels and like they like go into their room and cry because they've disappointed you. And, and you're like, listen, listen, <laughs> you're like just playing the Olympic theme week. song in, in their, in their <laughs> bed at night. <laughs> I just, I just remind them of what Vince Lombardi said. If you lose, you're out of the family. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I was wondering what it was. Okay. That's cool. I wish that they were doing it right now so I could watch. That would be cool. They actually are. It's a lot of fun, and they've used the heck out of it because one of the things about being homeschoolers, right, is that uh, everyone, I mean, they have a beautiful middle school, public middle school, on almost in my neighborhood. And so everyone is in school. So my kids are like, well, I finished my schoolwork at noon. What am I supposed to do for the rest of the day? And I'm like, get out in the garage, no iPads. <laughs> so it's a good, uh, it's a good break. How is your uh, club coming along, the Clubber Lang School for Reform Girls, or what, what is it? <laughs> How again? dare you? You know what it's called. <laughs> it's called the Clubber Lang Gym for Men. Uh, I, honestly, it was an honest mistake. Yeah, it was right. an honest mistake. Uh, it's coming along. <laughs> it's uh, the mats are down this weekend. Uh, I've got a I've got a six and a half foot uh, punching bag coming, and <laughs> which is which is large. In case you're wondering, that's a big big punching bag. And uh, the, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang everything this weekend. I got my squat rack going up, and I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited about it. So I love it. I love it. I had no idea for years that this was your life. Like, oh, Dave, he's the pro-life guy. Oh, Dave, he's the evangelist guy. Oh, Dave, he's the exorcist and slash bouncer slash strongest man competitor. Well, no, but no, I'm, I really it's that's a hobby. You know, I it's a it's a stress reliever and I like it. The exorcism ministry, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the, you know, the weightlifting is a hobby. I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like amazing at it or anything, but I would like to be the strongest man in Pittsburgh within two years. <laughs> so that would be, I, I feel like that's, okay. that's a reasonable goal. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, speaking of reasonable goals, uh, let's talk about the evangelizationbootcamp.com real quick. Yeah. Um, we have uh, a bunch of people started to sign up, but we keep getting the same question over and over again. So people keep saying that when they go to sign up, it feels like they're signing up for an individual day as opposed yeah. to all four days. What, right. what do we got for them? No, you sign up for the, for when you sign up for one, you sign up for all five. So don't worry about that. That's just kind of the way GoToWebinar works. So uh, don't worry. What you'll do is you'll get a link for each day uh, to join the meeting. So we, we really we're excited about this. It's we're moving forward. People are signing up. There are limited spots. So, you know, get get in quick. You know, again, it's going to be it's like a, it's going to be like a springboard, a week long springboard for evangelization. So we're we're really uh, excited about it. And a lot of people have asked, you know, are you going to offer are, are, are these talks going to be posted somewhere afterwards? And I'm still really thinking about it because we wanted it to be more of like a coaching situation, you know, like yeah. interactive and everything. So I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but uh, we'll talk about it and we'll get back to you. But again, evangelizationbootcamp.com, join us. Yeah. Uh, we we want to we want to uh, have a, a nice like week long evangelization retreat with you guys. Yeah, and I think it's really awesome because I'm working on like handouts and things like that that I want you to have in your hand that you can take to prayer with you. I mean, one of the biggest things that me and Dave always say, right, is don't just like, hey, here's some scripture verses to read and know to spit out at people. But it's like, no, take this to prayer. Take this to heart. Model it first before you go out there and try to evangelize. And that's one of the biggest uh, pain points that I see in evangelization is people aren't internalizing this stuff they're they're just waiting for an argument which is why most evangelization devolves into apologetics only yeah right it's just argumentation and all that stuff so um yeah so that's that's the point so it's evangelizationbootcamp.com. uh you know that when you see the beautiful uh colorado rockies that you're on the right web page i'm gonna have to ask you for the password because I, I just want to put pictures of me up there and then like, oh, this is Gomer uh, in a bathing suit. This is Gomer talking to some people Ooh, on a beach. No one right? will ever sign up to that. Ever. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> the, it, I'm, I know. I, I'm, I'm starting to take the mountain comments personally. I don't know how to change the mountain picture. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to change it. I'm sure there's a button called settings and then edit. I, 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 I don't I know if it's that simple. You make it sound like that. I don't know if it's that that simple. Wix Wix is the toddler. Weebly is the toddler version of web design, right? <laughs> so you can. <laughs> this is that was ad hominem right there. That was we have a, was. we have an important topic today. And when we got the email, yeah. I I really I started thinking like this is a very important topic that we need to address. But I. Honestly, it took me a few days to process where I was like, you know, or it took me a day basically to process to, to even come up with what I would say, you know? So, um, yeah. so, uh, should we just, we'll leave the name off this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hello, EKSB staff. If you could address this in an episode sometime, <laughs> staff <laughs> talking to just us. two idiots. One guy's in a garage. <laughs> Uh, hello, EKSB staff. If you could address this in an episode sometime, I would appreciate it. I've been in a serious struggle with my sins to the point where I'm gravely sinning with little or no remorse. I've shared this with friends, but no one seems to be willing to have tough conversations with me. I'm not sure where to go. My last spiritual director said that Vatican II was wrong and that porn was okay. Now, as a senior theology major at a conservative, traditional Catholic university, I know that not to be true, but my body doesn't. 
Left on my own, I see myself as a danger to my salvation and others. As many lay friends look to me as a source of light in the darkness, how can I remain faithful to the church and be an authentic source of God's light in this time while I am still in the heat of sin? Thank you. Yeah, I think one of the big things that this hits us is balancing between witness, right, and and our words. Like, we want to communicate the authentic gospel truth, but if someone catches us, let's say, looking at pornography or something like that, like let's say we have roommates in college and we're consuming pornography, there's an element where it completely strips us of our preaching, our, our authority in people's lives, right, because they... They judge it as religious hypocrisy, right? And that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about in all of this stuff is, you know, not only are you stunting your own spiritual growth, St. Teresa of Avila is very clear that people caught up in habitual grave sin find it very difficult to advance in the spiritual life at all, right? Our morality, our spirituality, they all enfold upon one another. And that's also one of the reasons why when we live a, a moral life that is failing, spiritual things become uh, distasteful to us. Because I can remember when I was struggling with my porn addiction in like the worst of the worst, even seeing a crucifix, right, would like annoy me, but I knew that annoyance was my conscience pricking me, right? Like, hey, Gormley, you know? Right. like, right. And it's like, I, that's the last thing I want to think about because I we all want to be comfortable in our sin, especially the sins that we can't control or that we feel a level of addiction and compulsive behavior around. We all want to feel like, you know what, just give me a week, I'll get it out of my system, which is a lie, and then we, we and everyone that struggles with these kind of sins, whether, you know, even like drug addiction, right, they all say the same thing, I'll just do it once, right? and then the avalanche happens, more, 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 and then it's like, okay, now I got to break with everything and go to confession, and then confession becomes a part of the ritual of indulgence in, you know, in pornography or, or drugs or alcohol or whatever it might be. So I, I think this is important to talk about religious hypocrisy, our own spiritual and moral growth, and how do we evangelize? Yeah, okay. So I, I think, right, what, what we're talking about is striking some kind of balance between, yeah. um, like, where where are we truly at in this journey? And so what I would say to you is there are times, there have been times in my life where I certainly have not been on the winning side of sin. There's no question. But we don't necessarily, I'm not, I don't want you to look necessarily on are you winning against this addiction to sin uh, as much as are you winning the battle of repentance, okay? Um, because I think that's where this comes from. You know, the, the, the devil is constantly going to throw the sin in your face. Like, how can you tell other people about Jesus? How can you tell other people about this when you're falling in serious sin? And and only you know where you are with regards to repentance. So I, I, I'm not going to say that you're a hypocrite yet until I know, are you seriously trying to repent? It, it seems like you're in this stage where, you know, like as the great spiritual writers talk about, you're dead right now. You know, you you, you have little or no remorse. Um, you probably, the things of the faith probably bring you no joy or anything like that, right? Uh, that's a tough place to be in, but are you serious about repentance? Are you serious about trying to turn around? In which case, I wouldn't want you to feel like you shouldn't be a light to others, that you shouldn't be a light in the darkness or or faithful to the church or anything like that, that that wouldn't be hypocritical. But there's a fine line there that you can kind of convince yourself, yeah, I'm trying to repent, 
but I, I'm also just letting myself totally falter into this sin. Yeah, the word hypocrite in Greek originally means actor, right? Because what they did, what actors did, was they would put these masks over them called a uh, prosopon. It's where we get the word person, a persona in Latin. And they would cover their faces with the face of you know the character that they're acting. And so when Jesus kept calling the Pharisees blind guides and hypocrites, he's like, you're acting. You're, you're playing around with religion for the sake of your own self-esteem, the applause of men, you know, like whatever it might be. And the danger of religious hypocrisy is not just how it might invalidate your words and deeds out for others, but it's how it corrupts you and the way you view your relationship with God. Because you will find that though you might call him father, what you really mean, what you can really mean is boss, right? Like, God, I've entered into a contractual thing. I'm going to do these external deeds, and then God is going to reward me, right? Like, this is, uh, and, and part of the reason why this is on my mind is I led my pair of staff through a meditation on the Sermon on the Mount. But over and over again, he says, don't be like the hypocrites who stand on the street corners and pray with their many words and so that they can be seen and heard and blah, blah, blah. They have their reward and their reward is the applause of men. And you made this comment. See, I, I think this, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to use this is this person is brutally honest in what they wrote. And one of the things is my friends look to me to be a light in the, in the darkness. And it's like, who cares? Like right now, right now, who cares? Because you can very easily be let be kept in the darkness because you're putting on the persona yep. of a man of the light, yep. right? And so what happens is, okay, so let's say senior theology major. I'm a theology major. We don't struggle with porn and masturbation, and impure thoughts, and sexual premarital intercourse, and hooking up with people in bathrooms and public, you know, rest stops or whatever. Which I've had people talk to me about. I know Dave. I just shocked him, but I've had. I've had so many people who their porn addiction became a sex addiction. Right. And they're completely out of control. Right. And then they say, well, how can I do this? Well, here's the deal. The devil wants to wall you in. He will use your theology major, right, to destroy your soul. Of course you will, yeah. Right. And what that means is if you feel like other people have placed you on a pedestal or you have a role to play in their salvation and that is keeping you from your salvation – that is not of God. That is of the devil, right? I know so many people that got holier when they left ministry. Oh, yeah. Because they were removed from a pedestal and they felt free to go to confession. When I go to confession in my diocese, I literally have priests say, oh, hey, Mike Gormley, how are you? As I'm trying to, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. But the, so that makes it difficult for me to be vulnerable. That makes it difficult. I always go behind the screen. Sometimes I fake an accent. Uh, <laughs> I do this stuff because I need to find a free space to confess my sins. Right. Right. But the devil doesn't want you to feel free to repent. He's trying to hem you in. So you have to say, honestly, like, I'm going to get a job at Starbucks, right? I'm going to work my tail off on this issue. Because the devil is going to say, yeah, but you're a theology major. Yeah, you go to a traditional conservative Catholic school. Yeah, but your friends look to you for all this stuff. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? If, if you're, uh, just take a stupid analogy. Let's say you're like a fitness influencer and you get some terminal disease, right? 
and you're afraid of letting your friends down with their fitness goals because you physically can no longer lift the weights, so you fake it online, right? Like right, okay. that's the equivalent of what we're doing, right? Yeah. We're posturing, and we think, and 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 here's the subtlety of pride. We think, and I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm just saying this is a danger. We think we're the savior. Our friends would fall into the deepest pits of hell if we didn't keep up the the acting routine. It's like, no, no, no. You need to find healing right now. And so let all that fall. I guarantee you, half the people who are looking at you, they're probably lost in the same sins you are. And they're waiting for someone to be honest and vulnerable about it. Yeah. I, I wanna I wanna also point out like, you know, the analogy that Gomer uses about the the fitness influencer, it falls short in one very serious way, and that is remember the soul of the apostolate. So you might yeah. have this idea that like, oh, I can't leave my lay friends behind. I got to still be that light in the darkness. And you, what you need to remember is, no, we, we go back to the to the perennial teachings of the of the you know spiritual writers of the church. You're really probably not affecting them as much as you think you are because remember the soul of our apostolate is holiness. You know, is yeah. prayer, is recollection, and so I, I I'd much rather see you holy and and less apostolate than more apostolate and and wicked you know i mean that yeah. that's a problem you know yeah because also the subtlety of pride will overthrow any advantages that you have in ministry i mean me and dave can tell you horror stories of catholic speakers yeah. protestant speakers yeah. who develop a following and you know them you meet them backstage and you're like i wouldn't yep. touch you with yep. a 10-foot pole yep. right yep and the thing is, like, it is easy to act on a stage, right? Right. It is easy when your goal is to develop a following, right? It is very difficult when your goal is to walk the straight and narrow path, right? And so the other way that the, uh, the analogy kind of fails is the fitness influencer person is trying to gain followers for their own careerism, right? Like for their own purposes. Right. What we need to do is realize that we are pointing people to Christ, we are not necessarily pointing people to ourselves. Yes, it's through relationship, but it's not necessarily that we're getting people through ourselves. And finally, the, the soul of the apostolate line, St. Paul said, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. But that never, and this is what the author says, that never usurps what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul. So you have to you have to honestly look at yourself and say, all right, and and he, this person never said what the sin was. So I'm just saying pornography because it it was just like a survey a couple of years ago, Protestant pastors and 75 percent admitted to looking at porno, pornography at least on a monthly basis. Seventy five percent. So if you think seventy seven percent. So if you look at that and you see how that's taking out, and it is, it's limiting their effectiveness in preaching and teaching, and you look at that, right? What is it going to cost us in the soul of the apostolate? Jesus, the father owes the son, the debt of the sacred heart to destroy your ministry because it's all on you, not on grace. So let yourself, let, let your computers get locked up with someone else that has the key. If that's what it takes, cut your internet access, have no Wi-Fi. get a dumb phone, whatever it might be that you know is the near occasions of sin, whatever it might be. You have to say, okay, what does it profit me if I if I save everyone around me but myself run in vain, right? 
St. Paul, take heed. If you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. Like these are the pitfalls of evangelization. You, and and I would also say this: you're doing, you're on the right track. You're on the right track. Yeah, of course, yeah. You are getting the knowledge. You're getting the skills, and that's why the devil wants to take you out. Right? That's why the devil wants to take you out. So you need to say, I'm willing to go into the desert. I'm willing to fugo mundi, right? I'm willing to go into the desert and flee the world in order to uproot this sin from my heart, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, two points. Actually, no, I'm going to make three points, three quick points. Whoa. Yeah. First of all, I don't know what your plan is. You're a senior theology yeah. major at a Catholic university. If you're planning to do theology, it's, it's, it's bunk, man. I mean, it doesn't work. Theology from a place of mortal sin, it just doesn't work. And and we can tell you uh, plenty of examples of great theologians who then, you know, you, you hear like they they cheat on their wife or something like that. And then two years later, they write something and you're like, what happened to this guy? Like, it's just, yeah. just yeah. not there, you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't jive, you know, the, the yeah. moral. And, and it'll make you jaded. Yeah. It'll make you right. jaded. Right. Exactly. T- number two, when I'm teaching people about spiritual warfare, uh, I, I, I try to take a, this perspective, and that is that I try to organize it into three battlefields, and I think this can help you to understand. And the battlefields build on each other, and, and there shouldn't be, you shouldn't be going after the next battlefield until you've gained some victory in the previous one. And so those battlefields would be the battle for your own heart the battle for other individuals and then the battle for society in general. Okay. And, and, and I think like those three things building on each other can provide us with a very clear blueprint against the, the devil's works. Okay. And, and, and towards spreading the kingdom that you, you gotta let the battle for others build on the victory that you're gaining in your heart because yeah. it it's just that's that's what makes it real okay uh those battles kind of spill over into each other and once you you've gained that some some semblance of victory in your heart now now we're always battling right gomer and i are still struggle i still yeah. struggle i'll probably be struggling until the last you know last day right and and that's just the way it is but you know what we're talking about that you're you're consistently winning battles that you're starting to gain a little bit more of that will that you had when you were younger and maybe first had your conversion, right? That you're, you're getting a little bit more freedom. That's when you can start back into like, okay, now I want to engage in the battle for other souls. You know, uh, once you're starting to engage in the battle, you're starting to gain uh victory in both those places. Then it's like, all right, let's take on the world here. You know, this is when it, it's, yeah. it's ready. So I would, I would encourage that. And then the third thing I want to say is this, you didn't mention what sin it is, but Gomer keeps mentioning pornography. If it is, sexual sin i i i really do uh think you need a counselor like an actual real counselor not just a spiritual director but like someone who's been trained in addiction because you know your your sentence where i'm gravely sinning with little or no remorse a counselor can very much help you with that very much Mm -hmm. help you see clearly what's going on when you can't see through the weeds yeah and grace builds upon nature doesn't replace it um grace is grace it's not magic and i think that sometimes we want there is always a tendency for spiritual people to spiritualize their problems their human all too human problems and we can't do that right if we have ocd right obsessive compulsive disorder it will it can very easily lead to spiritual scrupulosity 
It could very easily lead to a whole host of problems. And if we just say, well, the Lord's going to take care of it, that is not an attitude of trust. That's not trustful right. abandonment to divine providence. That is a disregard of prudence and concern, right? The Lord, that's like saying, like, I'm not going to work because the Lord's just going to take care of me. I'm not going to, and yet St. Paul says, he who does not take care of his own family is worse than an unbeliever. He has sinned against the faith, right? So there are elements of very prudential concerns. We live in this world. The married man is anxious about things of this world and how to please his wife. That is very true, right? So when you start to think about these things in your fight, the devil wants to take you out. He wants to nullify your voice. The word addiction comes from the same word as dictionary and dictate, meaning to have someone else's voice substituted for your own. And so the idea of an addiction is the serpent is preventing you from sharing the gospel, right? Now, the next thing I would say, I struggled with this very thing. I was a theology major. I was stuck in a porn addiction, and I desperately wanted to evangelize, and I was good with the people part of it. I was good at giving talks. I was good at this stuff. I had a terrible prayer life. Let me share this with you. Where do we draw that line between working on myself versus the apostolate? It's what Dave said, but I want to make it a little bit more concrete. It's a, mo a place of stability, not sinlessness. It's a place of yeah. stability, not sinlessness. Right now, by saying like I have a low remorse or I know it's true, but my body doesn't, what we've done, if you look at uh, Socrates, or if you look at, uh, excuse me, Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas following after him, St. Augustine, when you look at virtue ethics, what they're basically saying is you have all these passions, these bodily desires, urges, whatever they are, and we have trained them for years on illicit pleasure. And now we come to a knowledge of the truth. You hear Christopher West give a theology of the body talk, and you're like, oh, my goodness, everything in my life has been wrong, right? Or whatever it might be, whatever that catalyst is, and now you intellectually know. So then what happens? Well, your body, your passions still desperately want to be gratified and satisfied, but intellectually you know it's wrong. So then you begin to be miserable because you're living with guilt. You kind of got one foot in heaven, one foot in hell, one foot in the church, one foot in the world. And that's the most miserable place to be. Yeah. But that is the place of purgation, right? That's the purgative way. It's the, it's the harnessing of my energies and God's divine grace to move my passions. You can't command them, but you can educate them to move them from being bent one way to bending it back in the other way, right? To go from unchastity to purity that takes incredible effort i always tell people this is slow haul for every year that you've been lost in sin it may take you a year the same amount of time to be free from sin because you're educating your desires right you're engaged you're penetrating your passions with reason and that takes time so you're in a miserable place you really are you know the good but you don't love the good and it takes time to both know and love the good so that you do it joyfully, easily, and promptly, right? That's, the, that's what we mean by virtue. But there will come a time when your passions will become quieter. The screams will become muffled. And you can then, that's the place of stability, where you start to get months be between failings, not hours or days, right? And that's what we call the illuminative way in the, in the traditional spirituality of the church, right? You achieve an element of stability where you say, yes, I may still fall, but more often than not, I'm living a life of grace. I'm daily seeking God's face. I'm repenting. I'm moving forward. I'm not perfect, but I'm moving forward. 
that's where the Lord, that's, that's the next step of where the Lord wants you to be. The nice thing about that time is you learn to rest in the battle, Yes, you know, and, and you'll, right now you're tired and you're going to be really tired when, when you stop, when you try to stop sinning, right. When you try to let God, you know, do what he needs to do. And that's going to be a really big time of stress and being tired, but you'll get to a point where you learn that the only real rest is in the struggle yeah. and, and you will find real, real rest in that time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, y'all, we're going to throw it out to our sponsors. When we come back, we are going to have five practical takeaways for you. If you are lost in sin, struggling with sin, keep having the same reoccurring issues, wounds, habits, behaviors, whatever it might be. And you're feeling like that is stunting you from actually being able to evangelize. Uh, we're going to give you five practical takeaways that you can implement in your life to get back to spreading the good news of the kingdom. Father Mike Schmitz and myself wrote a new book called Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. If you want to be able to cultivate virtues that oppose your dominant vices, avoid the near occasion of sin, and cultivate the near occasion of grace, then I want to encourage you to check out our book, Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, at AscensionPress.com and Amazon.com. From all of us here at Ascension Presents, I'm Father Josh Johnson. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Here are our five practical takeaways. I'm going to go off what Dave said. I'm just going to make it much more explicit. Grace builds on nature, doesn't replace it. Get yourself a counselor who can understand and work with this stuff. If you need help now finding one, maybe your school doesn't offer one. I went to counseling for this while I was in college. It was free at the college. I also went to counseling when I was a young adult for this exact thing. And it was incredible. So let me say, go to betterhelp.com slash foxes, my Catching Foxes uh, podcast, my other podcast. We've been running this help ad, and they they bought a whole year of ads because so many people were calling and saying, like, yes, God wants healing in my life. So talk to a professional. You can do it over the phone. If the pride thing or the humility thing, they, they even do... Oh, gosh, I feel like I'm reading an ad right now. Uh, they even do like financial aid available. You know, it's done over the phone or over the computer. This can be the first step to freedom, but it's humbling. But I would say get yourself to a counselor. Yeah. Number two, what I would say is remember that you're not going to be able to do this on your own. Okay. And, and go for healing. And the way you're going to do that is spend a lot of time just reading the Gospels. That That is one of the best ways that you can you can combat this is just spending leisurely time reading the gospels enjoying them starting to let them kind of ignite your heart again and allowing Jesus to like do some surgery without you even knowing about it yeah that's awesome and then making it more intentional i would say seek out a priest confessor if you go to a traditional conservative catholic school there should be priest confessors they don't have to be your spiritual director but find someone uh, that will be your Yoda and you just say, every week I want to have a standing appointment with you or maybe every two weeks, a standing appointment because one of the things that he expressed was that his friends weren't holding him accountable and that he didn't want to be a bad example to him. So the idea is, okay, humiliate yourself weekly with the priest. Get humble, get low. And even if you don't fail, you begin to say, okay, what are the attitudes, behaviors, triggers, um, near occasions of sin 
remote occasions of sin that maybe you put yourself in on purpose and confess those. And I guarantee you insight will come and you will be able to achieve more freedom more rapidly. Number four, uh, remember, okay, it's day fide, right? That the church says that Satan has some certain dominion over man because of the the fall of Adam. And what we do when we sin is we give that dominion more power. And so I want you to recognize that this is, this is spiritual warfare. There's no question. Like the devil is winning, right? He's taking your soul from you and and he's winning. And so what you need, what I want you to do is find a prayer, a spiritual warfare prayer. It could be, you know, the prayer to defeat the work of Satan. It could be the St. Michael prayer. It could be really any spiritual warfare prayer and implement that into your daily life. Start fighting back, right? It's like a bully who's co- who knows he's got your your number. And then all of a sudden one day you're like, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm, I'm fighting back. That's what I want you to do. One of the founders of monasticism, he's the grandfather of Western monasticism, is a man, I always mispronounce his name, Evagarius, Evagarius, Evagrius. Evagrius of, of Pontus. Pontus. Yeah. <laughs> I love Talking Back. Have you read Talking Back? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, Talking course, Back, yeah. Talking Back to the Devil. Right. So you can Google it. Uh, there's like, they, people sell the book, but you can also get like a PDF of it. But yeah. literally, he just has, um, he gives you some really good advice and then gives you dozens of scripture verses in imitation of Christ during the temptation of where Christ spoke scripture to Satan speaking temptation. And so the idea is talk back to the devil. Use these words of God to defeat the works of Satan. How do you say his name? Evagrius of Pontus. It's neat because it it literally goes through every temptation. Like So you, yeah. you, you're tempted to pride. This is the scripture. You're tempted to this. This is the scripture. You know? Yeah, and I love it, and I would say it, it'll just give you key insight into the spiritual battle. It's real, it hurts, it stinks. And if, you, if you're reading the catechism on chastity and understanding the, the failure and the laws of progress and all this stuff and the gradualism of morality, then you can read um, Talking Back and be like, okay, this is part of the battle. This is part of the battle. And I'm going to tell you, brother, this will make you incredibly humble. Yeah. And that's what the Lord, that's where the Lord can really work. Don't say to yourself, I can't believe I'm doing this. Say to yourself, of course I can believe I'm doing this. I know me. I'm very capable of this yeah. shenanigans. And then let God's freedom reign in your heart. Amen. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast in evangelization. Email us, eksb at ascensionpress.com, and we will talk about your letter on the air, probably, probably. Um, we hope to hear from y'all and we love the fact that, um, so many in our audience has signed up. Seats are limited for the evangelization bootcamp, evangelizationbootcamp.com. Go there now. God bless y'all. 